When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. Our guest today, former McDonald's All-American, NCAA champion out of UNC, and one of four players to win championships with three different teams. He did that with the Spurs, the Raptors, and the Lakers. Now you can catch him on his Inside the Green Room podcast as well. Danny Green, what's going on with you, bro? Appreciate you pulling Appreciate up. Appreciate you having me, Inside the Green Room. Nah, it's been a while. You know, I'm a big fan of the show, man. I've been watching from afar for a while. It's about time I got a chance to join on. See, we got studio audience now. You really, you really seeing us at our peak. Like, yeah. we're getting it. Now, y'all doing y'all thing, man. Do you know the other three players? That have that have won championships on three different, three different teams? teams? Yep. I know Brian was one. Robert y'all did Ory, it together. Yeah, uh-huh. 2020. And then I think it was... Um, John Sally? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember no that guy. I just recently saw him on uh, All the Smoke. I think he was on uh, with uh, Stack and, and Matt Barnes recently. That's what made me remember. Like, oh, John Sally, he's won a couple, man. So are you the third or the fourth? I know you and Brian won together, but your name alphabetically probably comes before him. Yeah, <laughs> probably fourth. Nah, you got to say you pushed Brian to fourth. They're going to put Brian a little bit above me. Yeah, man. So, so you're known for your shooting, your defense. You made an all-NBA team, I think, back in 2017, right, for defensive side. Yeah. The one time I got on there, second team. But in your opinion, who are the toughest guys that you've had to guard during your time in the league? Each year it changes. You know, some guys have better years than, than in, I guess, previous years they've had. You know, there's some guys that play unbelievable. Um, there was always certain guards that gave me problems that I had to chase, yeah. like the J.J. Reddicks. Mm. You know, the Clays, um, you know, obviously Steph, Evan Fournier, like randomly, wow. you have like a guy like that, you like you have a night where I'm chasing the, Joe Harris um, before his injury. Um, and then there's some nights that, that guys are just like, you know, they're going to shoot, put up a good amount of shots and the offense is run through them. And um, Kyrie is one of them. I've seen him, obviously I've seen him from his rookie year grow and each year he get tougher and tougher and harder to guard. Yeah. KD, seven feet, can handle the ball, knows how to use his body. James Harden, uh, Luka, mm-hmm. um, they're just crafty. You know, guys that know how to draw fouls and, and also very good at, you know, putting the ball in the basket, scoring from all levels. Um, so each year it, it, it changes. Some years I, I figure out how to guard guys better. And some sometimes you just never really figure out how to, you know, find their rhythm. Um, certain guys just have a different type of rhythm. It's kind of like dancing, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, when trying to find certain guys' rhythm. And some guys you just never gonna get. You just hope they miss shots. Kawhi is one of those guys. Demar, Demar is one of those guys. They're gonna bump you. They're gonna get to the spots and get their mid range. You can test as best you can, uh, but you're not gonna block it. So you just has, hope they miss. Has anybody ever asked you like, like what are you what are you seeing in yeah. my game that makes you like so they can you know so they can adjust and get better? In, in terms of like younger players, just peer like you know if, like if somebody just like had my number uh-huh uh, like i'm like yo what are you looking at like you know like every time i get ready to pull your hand so like what is my tail is like anybody asked for their telltale sign? for sure there's certain guys so i had a it said that it happens fast when you become the old guy yeah. <laughs> um there was a time where i said i was a regular guy when i was with the lakers when i got to philly i became the old guy mm-hmm. 
and I had to kind of mentor like <laughs> Matisse Thibel and teaching him defensively certain guys, certain, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say tells, but certain habits they have. It's like, yo, you know what this guy likes to do? He, he, he favors his left hand. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to try to, don't stay down. He's going to try to pump fake you and get you off the, DeMar's going to get you off on the, off the ground on his pump fake or Jimmy. Um, so certain things you just watch, you find their habits, certain moves, you know, certain moves Dame's going to, when he gets to his stutter, he's going to pull up with that right hand, a sidestep. You know, when the sidestep's coming, you got to kind of time it because if you don't time it, mm-hmm. you're not going to affect the shot. Um, so yeah, there's certain things that I would have to teach some of the younger guys uh, uh, with certain players of how to guard them. Uh, but Matisse was really good anyway. He just had good reflexes, reactions, and um, he's athletic. He's fast, can get off the floor quick. So he, was a, he had the potential to be a great defender. It was just more of the IQ and the mind part of it of how to guard certain guys. So we talk about this a lot. Now you say you transition from kind of that young guy to now yeah. OG. Yeah. How much of those secrets are you wanting to give to those guys that potentially, you know, when playing time gets involved, potentially I, trying to take a at spot? At this point in my career, man, it's, it's about winning. It's always yeah. been about winning for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't mind it, um, especially if it's my teammates. Okay. Um, and it's a guy that I, I want to see do well. There are some teammates, not very few, there are some teammates that, you know, might be a pain in the ass to deal with or work with or they know it all. And you're just like, all right, man, I'm going to give you my two cents if you take it or leave it. And... That's up to you. Um, but most of the guys that I've dealt with, especially younger guys, they respect me. They look up to me. Even in Memphis, they had, you know, you hear a lot of stuff on, on out, off the court, outside the court, and they seem like they're a good group of kids, though. And they actually wanted to learn and wanted to be good. Um, so I was happy to see, you know, Dylan Brooks get his deal. Yeah. Um, I was happy to see a lot of guys get the Fred, I got a chance to play with in Toronto. Played with a lot of guys that got paid this summer. So it was, it was great to see that. Um, so yeah, there's some guys, most of the guys that I've dealt with have been respectful and just really trying to be a sponge and try to learn as much as possible. So I just try to help, like, it's my job now to send the elevator down, as most people would say. So we are, uh, I'm a LeBron fan, Lakers fans by, by extension, but you talk about Dylan Brooks, it feels like he was one of the more polarizing players, but ended up getting that, that big bag in Houston. Mm-hmm. So you got a chance to play with him briefly. Mm-hmm. Like, what's he like just, just as a teammate in that circle compared to obviously what the, the media and the outside world and the fans kind of project on that? I never was a teammate of Russ, but I would kind of picture it being like that. A lot of people see Russ, when he's on the court, he's competitive and he's trying to go at you. He's mm-hmm. trying to kill you. But I hear he's one of the greatest teammates you'll ever have. Dylan is similar to that. You know, when you're playing against him, he's a pain in the ass. But when you're in the locker room, he's going to hold you accountable. But at the same time, you know, he loves his guys. He's going to fight for his guys. He's going to compete you know, to the fullest. Um, you know, he was a good teammate and said he wanted to learn. So he respected me. He always asked questions. And um, he just couldn't help the emotional side of himself. He just wears his emotions on his sleeves, on his sleeve. And he's going to he's gonna go out there and he's going to compete. He doesn't care who you are. He's going to go at you. Uh, he's going to try to find the, the, the mental side of it and play mind games with you and see if that, you know, gets yeah. under your skin. Because um, he's just an ultimate competitor and defender. So um, that's just who he is. And you know, he got rewarded for it. I'm happy that he, he got yeah. a chance to, you know, hopefully showcase even more of that this year with Houston. Hey, for, for a defensive player like himself, mm-hmm. is, was he a good villain? Because you know how, like, <laughs> defensive players don't get known. There's no face for defensive yeah. players. Uh-huh. Like, it was, like... I mean, him and Pat Bev, like, I think they're great villains. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they're good at what they do. It all depends on who you're, you're guarding. <laughs> you're a good villain to certain. You're not a great villain to some. If you're gonna, you know, wake us a sleeping bear or you know a guy like LeBron who it might turn his game up a notch or Kevin Durant. Um, but I think it, some of the games that he had, he had played great defensive games. You know, against you know Chicago's Golden State, certain guys he's played great defense. I've seen him play some great defensive games. Um, and then some on the other side of it, you'll see some games where you know. Guys will get hot, or they use that as motivation. And it, like a guy like LeBron, you're not going to get under his skin and make him not play his game. 
Um, so certain guys you can use that with, certain guys you can't. Um, but for the most part, I said he he got under most guys' skin because they just hate playing against him. You know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's gonna do a little shit to mess with you. He's gonna give you a little elbow, a little bump, you know, dive on the floor, maybe dive on top of you while you're at the ball. You know, little shit like that's gonna irk certain guys. And um, actually, funny enough, I got a chance to play for both teams. I got they got into a fight, Cleveland. So mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell and Dylan got into that fight, and I was there for it on Memphis side, and I got a chance, got a chance to talk to Donovan about it when I got to Cleveland. Um, and you could tell Don's not one of those guys that gets angry, mm-hmm. but he had enough. <laughs> Threw the ball at him mm-hmm. and almost started a brawl. And that's what Dylan does: get on these people's skin and and try to get you out your game. He was actually playing a pretty good defensive game against Don that night. And Don's a hell of a player. So you're a New York guy. Are you a big talker, trash talker, or are you more just about your business on the court? Nah, I mean, I'm. I think younger. I'm. I'm able to. Withstand, and I'm able to trash talk back just because I'm from there. Yeah. Um, but growing up in the systems that I've grew up in, it's just you know, you're about your business. And mm-hmm. my high school coach was like that. You know, Coach Williams, Roy Williams, like that. Pop, mm-hmm. there ain't no celebrating, ain't no flashy. <laughs> yeah. Is come in, do your damn job. You know, and when you're focused on trying to do what you're supposed to do for his sake and for your teammates' sake, it's hard to focus on those things and trash talk to somebody at the same time. <laughs> You know, you got to be a skilled person to be able to worry about the plays, worry about this, make sure I don't and try to play mind games with you. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm about my business. But if somebody trash talks, I, I, you know, I could, I could trash talk with some of them. I just, I just thought about it. Like, when you're talking about your high school coach, mm-hmm. college, and, you know, uh, Spurs, when, when, when people say this guy is a winner, mm-hmm. is, what is it? Um, there's a lot of things that entails that, uh, entail that, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I look at another guy got paid the summer Fred and fleet, you know, even though, you know, Toronto had a struggling year and he's won, he's won a championship. You don't have to win a bunch of championships. There's guys that may have not won at all, but you can see that he makes winning plays. Mm-hmm. You know, I see like a guy like Alex Caruso, you know, a guy like that, that plays, he does all the little things, the glue guy that the team needs, mm-hmm. but he doesn't care about the credit. You know, he's going to play defense. He's going to get steals. He's going to dive on loose ball. He's going to make the right play, the right pass. Um, you know, there's a, I feel like every team needs one of those guys. Your resume not necessarily show that you're a winner, but in my mind, I can call you a winner because I know. And they might have won on college or high school level, um, but they make winning plays. So to me, a winner is a guy that plays the right way and makes the winning plays and doesn't care about, you know, getting individual accolades or what the stat sheet says for his, you know, that night. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, this is a discussion we have a lot about, you know, you can have a bad team, like you said, with FEV, but he mm-hmm. has a winner mentality. You, you see the other side of that, too, where it's, it's the loser who's on a winning team, but <laughs> 100%. he gets uplifted. You see more of that You see more of that, right? You see yeah. more of that in the league um, than you, do, you see the other <laughs> side. Um, there's a lot of guys that are very talented, but I wouldn't call them winners. And, and I'm not going to say any names, but there's a bunch of guys I'm sure come to your mind when you say, oh, this guy got paid a lot. He puts up a lot of numbers. I'm like, even if you put him in a different organization, I still don't see him winning. You put him around the, even with two other All-Stars. Or if you put him with this group, I just don't see him as a winner. I can see him. He's a scorer. He can play the game. He's good. I just may not see him as a winner. And um, you know, there's more of those guys in the league than there, there are on the other side of it. Are you surprised? I mean, since you're considered one of the older vets now, yeah. right? <laughs> it's surprising when you're talking about the NBA as the elite of the elite, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, what would you say, about 80% of the talent that comes in don't know basketball? 
<laughs> Isn't that a that, weird thing, that, right? That's the one thing in, in life that surprises me with everything, not just the, the NBA or, or the game, just um, just the lo- low IQ of, of, of a lot of people around, especially in that field. If you've been doing it for so long, you would think they'd have a higher IQ. Um, but the lack of communication in certain top organizations or situations, that's what surprises me. Um, and said just how unqualified certain people are with the jobs that they have. Yes. It's like, how the hell did you get this job? Or how are you playing basketball? Like, that's the one thing that, because, I mean, I've seen a lot of things. I mean, you're older than me. You've seen a lot of things in this world. And you're like, oh, I'm not surprised. You know, so-and-so, this happened. Oh, he did that. Crazy. He got paid. Cool. So, somebody might pass away. Damn, he, he was young. Or, you know, sicknesses happen. It's, it's crazy. It's sad. Um, but that's the one thing that does surprise me is just how low of IQ some people have and just how poorly the communication is in certain organizations. I'm like, it's 2023. Why are we not Facts. communicating? No. We work together. We should be able to have some type of open forum. Like, in some organizations, it's a free-for-all. Like, guys are just figuring out on their own. I'm like, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? So um, I've been fortunate enough to play for some good, really good organizations. So most of the organizations I've been with, they've been really, you know, on top of things, A1. And, you know, I've been blessed. I've been lucky. Um, but I've seen some, some parts and seen the other side of it, and it's just shocking to me. I'm like, wait, y'all don't interact? Like, you've worked with this man. You don't know who that man is. Like, certain trainers and staff, like, yeah, he was on the team, but I don't really know him that well. I'm like, how do you not know somebody you were in the same vicinity with for eight months? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so you're a free agent at this table, so we're not going to make you expose any of the other side because that could <laughs> yeah, be Yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. We, we, wouldn't, we yeah. wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> no, but it's, it's just like anything in life. Like, when you look at, when you go inside of an organization and you look how the structure is, you can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see why y'all. I can see why y'all are you can winners. See why, yeah. I can see why y'all are losers. It's just one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. You could definitely, see, you could tell, even on, as an outsider, you can see like when you get on the inside, it won't shock you as much because you'd be like, "This is why you guys are where you are," mm-hmm. and it'd be shocking at first, but you'd be like, "Oh yeah, well I am here, so I, I know where I'm at, and this is why they are where they are." Yeah. I mean, let's talk a little bit about a team like the Grizzlies. It's something from just an outsider's mm-hmm. perspective. We see everybody always talks. They need that veteran leadership. Stephen Adams, oldest dude on the team. Obviously, mm-hmm. you were there briefly. Is that is that his issue as much as people try to make it out to be? I mean, I like Memphis a lot. They were one of the top organizations. They were A1. You know, they communicated, over-communicated. They were great. Um, they had a great group of kids, guys there. So they probably needed more. I'm interested to see how Marcus Smart and Derek Rose is going to be for them this year. Um, I do think they still need some wing depth. You know, they lost Dylan. Um, I don't see many. You got Zaire. I love Zaire. Um, David Roddy, but they're younger guys. I think they still need more veterans and probably depth at the wing perspective. But um, Steven Adams is a great, you know, piece for them, you know, on and off the court, locker room guy, um, mentoring Jaron Jackson and, and, you know, Brandon Clark um, and getting them to mature. You know, Jaron, I think, is the X factor for that group. Um, when he decides to make it his team, that's, a, that's when they're going to go far, you know, because he can do a little bit of everything. He can shoot from the perimeter, you know, protect the paint, block shots, can drive, finish, score. Obviously, Ja is a, is a special talent. Desmond Bain is a special talent, and they have a lot of good pieces around him. But I think, you know, Jaron's playing for USA this, this summer now. And uh, he started making a jump toward the end of this, this, uh, the season where he stopped getting in foul trouble. Um, but ultimately, I think it's up to him, and I think Steven Adams is a big piece of helping him grow. How important is a guy like Marcus Smart for Ja? We've seen Ja. Huge. You know, you got a ton of, we got a ton of respect and love for Ja. Yeah. He's going to have to serve that 25-game suspension. Mm-hmm. Seems like bringing a guy like Marcus Smart in who's coming from a, you know, a winning organization. I think it's the more of the Derrick Rose 
For sure. I think it's both because I think Derek is the veteran you need, and he's you know he's smart, but I think he's more I'm gonna say passive, but a little bit quieter. But I see him as like a Timmy, Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. You know, people think Timmy was quiet, but he actually talked and spoke. And I think Derek is one of those guys, but I think Marcus is a guy you need. He's very similar to Dylan, where he's gonna I'm gonna say push the boundary, but he's gonna he's gonna challenge the guys. You know, he's gonna challenge you. He's gonna hold you accountable more verbally. Because I've seen him do it in Boston with certain guys, telling Jalen, you know, look, listen, you need to do this. You know, even Jason. And he's not afraid to, you know, voice his opinion. Derek, he'll voice it, but he may not, you know, push, you know, the envelope as much as Marcus will. I was thinking about with the star power, because Derek Rose was that, he had that, mm-hmm. you know, so when Ja looks at him, he can look at him like, Definitely okay, a higher respect. I can, you know, I You're understand. MVP. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Because how Derek moves, you know, you come from, you know, South Side, so, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. He, yeah. He, but he moves quiet. Yes. And I think sometimes, I think when Ja sees that, like. 100%. You know, it kind of changes. Because, you know, I, listen, I, when you're at a certain level, only a certain couple of people that you will li- you will listen to. They yes. have to come from the same background. They 100%. have to have been in your shoes before for you to listen to them. Like I don't see him listening to Steve Adams. You gotta have somebody that's relatable. Yeah, you know, so, outside of court, like, eh, what are we talking about? And that, that was a big key for me. Like, <laughs> it's hard you know, to have somebody come in and say, "Your project is to work on this guy." Mm-hmm. You know, as a vet, and, it, and it's harder for some vets if they don't respect. Like, you have to have that player's respect first. And I, I was lucky enough that those guys did enjoy my time and respected me. And I think Derek is going to be one of those guys as well that they, they hold in high regard and will listen to. And I think he'll have an impact on, on Jao for sure. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So let's talk about your career a little bit. So you were the man at UNC, I think, about back I in the day. I wasn't the man. Tyler Hansborough was the man. I was like the fifth option. We had Tyler Hansborough, we had Tyler Lawson. We know that was light-skinned and hating. We know we whatever. Hansborough was going to get through. We already know how, how yeah, we, we moved had, this We country. had a good team. We you had, had a squad, team. but I'm saying, you were, you know, I'm saying yeah. all ACC. You were, you, you, were, you were an upper echelon dude. You were, mm-hmm. you were holding court there. Get drafted in the second round. So what's it like from you going from being one of the big men on campus to now you trying to fight to earn a spot in the league? I mean, for me, I mean, I, I kind of had a similar road as Gil a little bit. Um, I mean, he, he obviously had a bigger name than me, but, you know, coming in with a chip on his shoulder and having to repro- like prove yourself still. I mean, for me, it was that I, I was never really a big man on campus. Um, you know, Tyler was. I didn't start till my senior year, um, but winning a, t- a championship definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Being a starter, and then it got, but being second round, seeing all my teammates go first round, it's like, you know, I got a lot to prove still. Um, so it was like the work starts over. You know, you starting at the bottom of the totem pole. Mind you, I was playing with Bron and Shaq my first year in Cleveland. Um, they weren't bringing me in to play minutes. <laughs> you know, they already had set. They had Anthony Parker. They had Delonte West. They had Mo Williams, who was another all-star. Um, we had a lot of guys in the wings. So I wasn't coming in with a perfect opportunity, but I had an opportunity to learn. Um, so that was pretty much what my, my goal was. It was like, you know, I'm going to be a sponge, learn as much as I possibly can, and when my opportunity comes, try to take advantage. Um, but I pretty much had to make the team, had to start over, rebuild, and find a way, um, you know, to break a rotation. And luckily that happened 
after being cut and coming from the G League and, and with another team in San Antonio um, after some injuries. Okay. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to get another call from them and, and be ready and be prepared for when that opportunity came, when Manu got hurt. He broke his hand a, a couple weeks into the season. Is it... Um... The only thing that saved me is I understood basketball. Like, you know, like as, as goofy as I was, as mm-hmm. immature as I was, you know, because I really loved basketball and my IQ of basketball was very high, that helped me mm-hmm. go in second round. Like, it kind of helped me because, you know, when, you, when you're talking about, you know, your back is against the wall, you know, when you're second round, like, everyone has four years to perform mm-hmm. and they have – they got opportunity because they're expected to be bringing you in to groom you. A second rounder, they're not coming. They're not you sitting there like, and you have to now. You have to go. You have to like. You have to crack. You have to crack the lineup faster with a shorter time. You got a shorter frame. leash. Yeah. You have a shorter leash. We got. I got two years. Some people got one year, and I'm the fifteenth man, and I got to figure out how to be the eighth or seventh man before the end of this season to get. That's the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> We feel even more pressure though than a first round pick because they'll give that pick time to grow. Yeah, you got time, time to grow. grow. Second yeah. round, you get your you nah, better figure it out. You got one or two opportunities they throw in you. If you're not ready, like you know, you got to make most of it. Those opportunities they throw you in just to be signed back again to keep you yeah, for the rest of the team. That, half the time they might wave you halfway through the season, you know, for the certain opportunities. And that those opportunities might come in practice. They may now we don't even practice anymore, so it's even harder for guys to even fight for positions with you know with the lack of practice. But Back then, said so G League, you better show that you're doing, making some growth in the G League or in practice or when they throw you in for five minutes. Like, okay. There's you know, no more practice? Barely. See, listen, barely. NBA, have, y'all, have, y'all should think Brian Winters <laughs> for the non-practice. See, people thought I was silly when I said it. So my first year when, um, when Larry hurt his ankle, mm-hmm. we had Dave Cowens. Dave Cowens got fired. Brian Winters stepped in. Mm-hmm. Our team showed up to practice late anyway, right? It was we just a bunch of misfits, right? So he said, all right, nobody want to come to practice. Just come to the games. No more practice. <laughs> so we didn't have no practice. So when Larry was coming back, he couldn't fight for a spot back, right? That's, it was yeah, just all game tough. stuff, just how you perform in a game. So him trying to, like, get his legs under him is all game-based, right? So, like, like. All right, here you go, double, and that's double. Not for enough me. Time. <laughs> yes, that's not enough time to really show mm-hmm. what you can actually do. Because the game they might throw in for five minutes, you might even be warm. You might get two shots <laughs> in that five minutes. And it's like, you go for two, it seems like a terrible night, but yeah. you who knows if you could have got hot or you, it's not really a bad night to miss two shots. Um, so it's tough, man, especially in today's league with guys fighting for an opportunity to play with the, how practice schedule goes, is even tougher. <sighs> So let's talk about rookie season. Who are the guys that showed you what it means to be a pro? <laughs> crazy enough, Delonte West was one of the – not to <laughs> be a pro. <laughs> not to be a pro, but he showed me a lot of the ropes of what to do and what not to do. Yeah. I learned a lot of what not to do by following Delonte. <laughs> okay. Um, Just from seeing the stuff that he yeah, was doing. Yeah, but he would, even though he would do crazy things, he would tell you, Rook, you, you shouldn't do this. You know? But I had, I had Anthony Parker, who was a pro, ultimate pro. Um, you know, I had Mo Williams, uh, Daniel Gibson – um, Jamario Moon, we had a bunch of guys, but obviously mm-hmm. Bron and Shaq, you know, they're the stars, but you probably connect more with the guys that are the role players because I had to figure out how to be how you guys are. I didn't really learn how to be a pro pro until I got to San Antonio because we, we, I learned how to be a pro there 
but there was a lot of clowning around, a lot of, you know, mm. Ron and Shaq, big ass kids, had a lot of fun and obviously kicking everybody's ass because there's just so much better than everybody. San Antonio was business. And it's like, you know, watching Timmy, Tony, and Manu, just how they conduct themselves on a day to day basis. And I was there for, for four days before they cut me. Yeah. And realizing why is because the lack of urgency. I'm, you know, they just had weird things about to being too cool. Yeah. And, and not even just about on the court. And it's just like, yo, you need to take this job serious. So the second time around, I made sure that I was ready and that I, you know, on and off the court was on my P's and Q's. Um, so yeah, just watching, watching Manu, Tony, and Timmy, and then obviously playing for Pop, you have no choice but to be professional. If you're not, you, you're going to be somewhere else. And people don't understand that, like, <clears throat> like Delonte was, you said, he said, listen, I'm doing this, don't you do yeah. it. Like, people don't understand that, you know, you know, someone that does clown around, that, that is immature, we still understand, like, yo, Rook. That's not for you. This is not, just, I am where I am. I'm too far gone. Yeah. But you, don't follow me this way. <laughs> don't follow me this way. People don't understand that people do that. Like, yeah. yo, I can, I can be an example while being an example. Uh, yeah. This is what you don't you do. You can learn more yeah. from yeah. I'm about to go out tonight and part. Don't you? You go rest at 9 o'clock. Yeah. I've, I've already been down this road. Yeah. So do you feel like that rookie season with the Cavs, I want to say stunted your growth, but when you go back and look and the clips are all on YouTube, you mm -hmm. and LeBron out there, you yeah. know, and it's Bron, so you guys are dancing shit. Did you feel like you were kind of forced into that shit? And did you have to lighten 100%. up? But did you have to lighten up your dancing to make LeBron think he was the better dancer? Uh, a little bit of all those things. Um, <laughs> oh, and the moment I would have fun because yeah. I, I was, you know, I was a rookie, and I'm, you know, your first year or two, you're starstruck. I'm playing against Colt. I'm playing against Katie. This is Bron. I'm sure. Carrying Shaq's shoes, twenty size twenty fourth, drop his bag off for him, um, and you're just enjoying it until you know Danny Ferry, your GM, comes in like, yo, and they they obviously want you clowning. You can't do what these guys do, and you bring you in for a meeting. And Mike Brown is like, look, you you better stop you know dicking around. You know you can't be doing that. So in the moment, I would enjoy it, and then after it's like, I learned my lesson, and well, yeah. you know the next time around, it's like, guys, I can't be, I, and I was the only rookie. I had to get the donuts for everybody and. You know, when the thing weren't showed up, they kicked the balls and said, do it on my own. So I do all the little rookie duties myself at the same time, you know, following Mike Brown and Danny Ferry. And I don't know if you know much about Mike Brown, but he has a, you know, a little OCD-ish. Yeah, he likes yeah. things a certain way. And if you, you know, you're not following that, that structure, it can throw him off. And a rookie better not be the one throwing him off. Isn't that that's a hard that, that is a hard thing to do, right? You're you're dancing with the star. To balance it, yeah. right? <laughs> you got to go to Braun like, yeah, I can't dance with y'all no more. Like, <laughs> ain't no celebration. You know, right. you guys doing the celebration. Yeah, can't, I can't celebrate. Nah, you're not doing it. I'm like, all right, was, all right. Like, yo, yeah. that's my that's my ritual. I got to dance with the rook. Yeah. Rook's like, I can't dance with, can't no with you, yeah. bro. Yeah. Learn it quick in San Antonio. You learn yeah. a lot quicker in San Antonio for sure. So you mentioned, uh, you know, so you go to San Antonio for a couple of days, they wave you. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I remember seeing an interview, you talked about how you had to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas at home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just going for that, being in that league, you know, playing with guys like LeBron and Shaq, mm -hmm. seeing that the Spurs for that brief window, and then now you're essentially out of the league. How did that motivate you to keep chasing the dream? Man, it was, it was dark times, but I had a good foundation that, that helped kept, you know, keep me confident. Um, and you know you belong here. You play, and also myself. Like you know, I played with these guys in practice. I feel like I belong here. But being at home for two months, trying to figure it out, not sure if I'm gonna go overseas to play in the G League. Um, you know, it was tough. It hit the confidence. You know, mm. you know, pretty hard. So, uh, but working out, you know, builds that confidence back up, back up a little bit. And you take the repetition, and then playing in the G League for a little bit, and it's like you know what, you know, I'm good enough. And then going to practice, 
Um, even when I got called back up to San Antonio, you're still like, I got to make sure I do everything right and, and you know, how to find a way. I don't know if I'm going to be in this league long. Even though I'm on a team right now, I'm at the tail end. I'm 14th, 15th man. If I don't crack a 7-8 rotation, I may have two or three years left. I better find out or figure out what I'm going to do next. Um, so just trying to you know, balance you know, all those things or keep a mental confidence uh, of you know, just believing in yourself and having your, you know, your people behind you. Um, but as I said, you know, we practice more, so that's where I built my confidence too, playing against Manu, being the, the, the guinea pig of helping Manu get back healthy. Um, so yeah, man, it, it was a lot of things that came into play, um, but ultimately at the end of the day, it was, it was myself, me believing in myself, and also watching my other teammates and guys that I played against in college, seeing how well they were doing. It was like, you know, I played against these guys. I, I can definitely do or, or you know, be on this level with these guys. I just have to figure out and find a way or just take advantage when opportunity comes for me. Is that, is that, because it happened with me too, so that is the key, like understanding um, when, you do lose, when you do lose confidence to really ensure yourself. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm glad there was an OG league when I played, <laughs> right? Uh, it was just IR, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you just sit there with your suit, don't do nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I went through it, right, where I didn't think I was good enough, right? And I was second-guessing myself, like... Uh, getting killed in practice. Like, it's like, damn, I'm getting killed by them and they getting killed over there. Like, I know I can't play, right? And then, you know, just overnight, you know, just watching highlights of myself, understanding like, no, 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 I can't play. Then I started watching the game different. Now I'm watching how I can be dominant Mm -hmm. versus looking at everybody for who, how great they are. I started looking at the game, how I can dominate when I get there. And I think sometimes, you know, when we're not seeing the results as players, and we're sitting on the bench and we're second guessing ourselves. The reason it's not turning over is because you haven't actually believed in yourself. You're waiting for the handoff. Mm-hmm. You're, you're waiting for someone to say, all right, come on, you're good. And yeah. when, when that, that, that confidence has to come within. 100%. And you still see it to this day, even with the biggest stars. You'll see some guys go through slumps in the playoffs. That's, that's more of a mental thing and a confidence thing. Obviously, it's, it's the way of the, the league and the way of life as a, as a basketball player. You're going to have some slumps. You're going to have some shooting slumps. Um, but how quickly somebody bounces back is really how much they really believe in themselves and how much you know, mental toughness they have. Because really, it's like watching the clips, watching the highlights, or just not thinking. Some guys will just overthink, and they'll be in their, in their heads. They lose confidence. They'll be in the gym for hours and hours, and they kill themselves trying to get their stroke back. Yep, yep. It's like, yeah, you don't have to do all that. You know how to play basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're only going to get, in role players, you only get six or seven shots. So just stop thinking about it, just hoop, just mm. play. And then the guys that I've seen perform the best are the guys that just went out there and just didn't care. It's usually after a day they had a baby. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, Fred had his baby, came back, didn't, didn't, he was up six hours a night till six in the morning in the hospital or something, come in, have the playoff series of his life in Milwaukee and then against Golden State. Um, you know, some of those guys just come in and just like, you know what? I'm just going to hoop. It was one of their birthdays or something like yeah, that. You know, yeah. guys play on certain holidays. You know, they're just not they're even thinking about, <laughs> you know, their shot or their slump. So um, it's really, it really comes with, within you and your confidence and how much you watch film and how much you just believe in yourself and not thinking like, oh, I'm in a slump right now. No, I know who I am. I, I know what I'm capable of doing. And I just got to see one going and get back there. Hey, that is that's funny. That's usually when you do ball, when you just give up. Like, man, like, it, I'm yeah. just going out, man. What's the worst thing? When nobody else says, I'm about to just go out there and shoot everything and be on fire. Coach, coach bench you, you're only playing five minutes. Well, if I go in, I'm shooting it every time. And that's when you probably hit the shots you take. Like, he ain't playing me anyway. I'm going to shoot it anyway. Yeah. So that's when you usually play your best basketball, when you're just playing free and not, you know, 
the effort so, attitude. Well, sometimes over, I, I guess, you know, like um, there's always this thing is summer runs, how great they are in summer, yeah. don't translate to the, nah, to the NBA. It's, it's one because overthinking. 100%. Like I think Ben Simmons overthinks. 100%. Like I, 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 see, I see him shooting mm-hmm. in, in, in the gym. I've watched him play and then watch him in the NBA like, what are you thinking for? Just do and, you. And a lot of times, and that might not just come, it, it, it comes from within the person, but it can come from a lot with the, the sideline. You know, the coaching has a big part to play with certain players of building and breaking certain guys' confidence. I've seen a lot of guys, you know, get a chance to groom and be better players than they actually, I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. And I've seen certain guys that were really talented not get opportunity or their confidence be broken because of a coach. And it's like, oh, you don't shoot that shot or you don't do this. You don't, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So it's like, damn, like this kid can actually play. This kid can actually shoot, but, you know, the coach doesn't have confidence in him. Um, and until they have an effort mentality, like, I'm going to shoot it. I don't is care. Is that what, what happened? Not everybody has that mentality. Is that, that what happened with being a little bit? Um, part of it. I wouldn't say that. I don't think Doc had anything to do with, with Ben. Um, Not know, before a, Doc, like just with shooting. Possibly. Just, I've yeah. heard some stories. That the, I was only there for two years, so coaching before that, certain certain systems, certain coaching, certain you know plays, um, I'm, I'm sure they, they conducted with him differently mm-hmm. on the court. Um, just with certain guys, like even to, even other all-star players, you know, there's certain guys that are just not comfortable because, well, they know themselves as part of being a high IQ player, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're not encouraged to shoot those shots. And it's like, yo, I know, shit, I know Joel can shoot threes, but mm-hmm. he may not be, he may be encouraged to shoot six or seven threes. You know, he needs to shoot one or two of them, <laughs> which is smart, mm-hmm. but um, I'm sure he'd be a better three-point shooter if he was encouraged to shoot more threes. Um, that's just with any player. Um, not everybody has that freedom. Not everybody has that green light or that confidence in their coaching staff behind them to be able to shit and pick up. I might handle the ball some, but yeah. ain't no coach bringing me in to handle the ball. Like, nah, you ain't do it. You stand in the corner, mm-hmm. and, and and then that by just by design is gonna lose my confidence and dribble on the ball because I haven't done it, you know, in the system or naturally. I haven't done it so long. I'm not gonna be comfortable handling the ball for anybody. Mm-hmm. I remember Josh Hart saying that <laughs> when um, he said he. <laughs> He said he trained all summer. <laughs> he said training all summer, all these new moves he was about to do when he get in. And then he said, new coach came in and said, yeah, you know, uh, you look better in the corner. I'm like, corner? I ain't take no corner shots off. He said, so I wasted the whole summer. He said, I wasted the whole summer doing something that I'm not even going to do again. So it's, it's like I didn't even do nothing this summer. And when you're younger, you probably work on more things. As you're older, like, they're not bringing me in to do that, so I'm just going to work on what I need to work on. Um, there were times where I did, like when Kawhi was out in San Antonio, I did handle the ball a little more, came mm-hmm. up pick and roll. But that's not my game. It's not my strong point. Um, so I use it a little bit. But for me to work on those type of things now, it's, it's a waste of my time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be doing <laughs> Steph Curry, Trey Young, you know, ball dribbling. I'll, I'll dribble a little bit, you know, just to You're get not moves. doing the uh, No, nah, I'm not doing You're like, looking like Luke coming out off there pick doing and roll. Like, ain't no coach. I might come up with DHO for a shot. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not coming up pick and rolls to make plays. And now and then with working with Phil Handy, I love working with Phil because he'll build the confidence in everything, Euro steps. But a lot of that stuff I will, I will never use. But I have it in the bag, so I'm comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, most times or not, you're going to be doing what you do. But do you ever pull those out in games and be like, see? I did at times. Sometimes. <laughs> so when I was in L.A., so you do it every day with Phil, just, it'll come out sometimes. Yeah. You see Austin Reeves, he has a yeah. lot of Phil Handy in his game. Um, and certain, certain organizations, certain when I was younger, now that I'm older, you know, most teams ain't bringing me in to do, like, yeah. now if I have to, you know, they'll be like, oh, you can shoot a floater? Yeah, I can shoot a floater. Come on. <laughs> I can shoot a floater. I can shoot a pull-up, you know. 
I'm a basketball player, you know. Um, it don't happen often, but if I had to pull it out, you know, if I had to pull a Euro step, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, yeah, you could actually, you, you could dunk the ball still, you know. You can still do it, but it's just not what you're designed to do. You know, all the players run through those guys, and when they need your help, they kick out to you and, and you play defense. I never, so I, I it was weird because I remember when I got to, um, I think it was Carmelo, it was Carmelo. I was watching Carmelo in the summer, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, like in the summer, I'm, I'm working on everything. Yeah. I work on this, that, that, that. And then I just seen Carmelo working on his plays. Yeah, just where well, he gets his spots. Yeah, you know, he just, you know, you know, faking, going to ISO, doing that. <laughs> Two, three hours, same movement. Nothing else. And I'm like, what kind of workout is this? You work on your ball handling at all? Like, you know what I'm and then as <laughs> soon as the season comes, yeah, that now that makes sense, <laughs> right? And I didn't realize, you know, people were special. Like, you're working on the things that where you're going to get the ball, how you're going to get the ball, all the options out of the ball, right? And once you start getting into the ABA and you start seeing, like, like the better players, in those offenses, they're, they're working on <laughs> where they're going to get the ball, For where sure. the defense is going, where the offense is going to be. It's like, okay, you're perfecting. When you're young, they don't really know what you can. So they'll give you some more space to grow when you're young. Mm-hmm. So you work on more things. All right, can we? Can you put you in pick a roll? You know, can we have you in ISOs? So you can work on more things then. But once you find your niche and when they see what they see you as, they're gonna. Most teams are gonna put box you in a box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they don't, you know, you can say you're gonna box yourself. But you're gonna your strong points gonna come out. And they're gonna be like, all right, we're gonna use you for this. Is how we're gonna use you? We don't need you to do anything else. So you talk about the highs and lows of being a Hooper. I got to go back to the 2013 NBA Finals. I feel like that was more or less your coming out party. Mm. But, you know, 55% from three, set the record, uh, then with 27 makes. It I was think, a good time. It was, it was a good time <laughs> until, until, it was, until it wasn't. And, and then, you know, and we're not going to hit too much on that, but y'all go up 3-2, go back to Miami. Yeah. But I got to know, just what, what changed in those two games? Or was, it, was it a confidence thing? Or what ended up happening? Were they keying in on you more on the defensive it's side? It's crazy because somebody just asked me today, well, what was your worst loss? And that was – that was my worst loss, that, that Ray Allen shot. Um, it could have changed a lot of things for me in history. Mm-hmm. Um, nah, but ultimately, you know, we had we had a great group. We were playing good ball. Um, we had T-Mac on the, on the sideline, and he, he was great with keeping me confident. Um, I don't think I lost confidence. I think I can't take anything away from Miami. They played a hell of a, you know, series, and they did a better job on me. Um, I think there were times where our offense got, I'm going to say, a little more stagnant. Um, it wasn't moving or flowing as much on the, that, that series. It was 2-3-2. Two, two. So we went back to Miami for the last two. It was harder. The year after that, it went 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. They changed it because yeah. they felt like you know, it was a disadvantage for the home team to be 2-3-2. Yeah. Two, two. Um, but on the road, I felt like we didn't, we didn't... Game seven, I felt like we, we fought hard and we executed well. That game six was the one that really hurt us. Yeah. And I think the game six is where we, we didn't execute or move the ball as well as we did. And then just toward the end, we got, there was a couple of things that went wrong for us, a lot of things. And, um, you know, the basketball guys was on their side, some of it, but said, so take nothing away from them. They, they won the series. Yeah. You know, they got the right bounce. We missed some free throws. Um, we didn't get rebounds we were supposed to get. Um, even when after Ray hit the shot, we're trying to go. Referees stopped, stopped the game. Mm-hmm. They had no timeouts, but they stopped the game just to review if it was a three. And we had three or four seconds where we could have just gone. Oh. That right there, I don't know if you remember, if you see the clip, Pop was going ape shit on the sideline. Because it's like, but there's a lot of things that happened in their favor and things that wasn't in our favor. But they said ultimately they, they, they played a good, Ray hit a big shot, Chris Bosch got a big rebound, went into overtime, and then game seven, you know, guys came alive. You know, Mike Miller hit some shots, you know, James Jones. They had a bunch of guys that step up at the right time. Yeah. <clears throat> 
So that was a yeah, that was a, a referee timeout, right? They stopped the play. They stopped the play. They stopped the play after he hit the shot. <laughs> You'll see. If you, you you're not at, allowed to do that though. Back then, I get. I don't know. I don't. Okay. You shouldn't. You yeah, should. You, you should. review it after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're trying to get and go. We have no timeouts. We're trying to go quick. You know, they're celebrating. We're trying to go. We have four or five seconds to get down the court to maybe get a look. He tied the game. Ultimately, it wasn't game over, but they stopped the clock. We advanced it. I got a shot in the corner. Um, I thought I was fouled, but I was not. Chris Bosh blocked the shot. Caught a little body. Blocked the shot. And we went to overtime. It, it probably was a foul, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Referees didn't call it, right? So I'm a LeBron guy, though, so of course yeah. I'm going to lie and be like, nah, I'm going to lie and say, nah, what? But looking back on it, and it's funny because they always say, you don't, you learn, don't let the ref decide in those moments, but we've seen it's history yeah, You can't expect it, especially from a role player. Chris Bosh, role player, end of the game, they're not going to decide the game on, on that type of call. So yeah, you have to make it really blatant. And if I were to pump fake, took my time, I had more time than I thought. But um, he made a good play. He blocked the shot. So you told the story about uh, so at 2013, he won the championship. You're trying to go unwind. You end up going mm-hmm. to South Beach, end up at the same spot as where, where, where they're celebrating that. That shit did happen, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I want to flip it now to 2014. Y'all win the chip. Mm-hmm. Did you see any Heat players at the club in San Antonio? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> we don't have many clubs in San Antonio. Um, they're probably staying in a better spot than what we celebrated, honestly. Uh, but we, we the, well, I will say this. So winning on the road, I feel like it's better than winning at home. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been lucky enough to experience both. I've also won in a bubble, which was not that great. Not um, great. We had our families there, but winning on the road, you're forced to celebrate with your team. Winning at home, everybody kind of just disperses to different places. Some people go out to eat, some people go to, so it's like, you'll see a couple of your teammates out, but when you're on the road, everybody's together and they have a spot for you guys. Um, so yeah, we didn't go to many clubs. We went to one club, I'm, I'm sure they probably, you know, when you lose, the season's over anyway, so either you're getting drunk because you're celebrating or you're getting drunk because, damn, it's over, we lost. Um, I'm sure they probably drank in their hotel or whatever, but we didn't see any of them. But just so happened, we were in Miami when we lost 2013, I was like, you know what, I need to get out. Ended up at the same spot that they were at, I'm like, oh, shit, I need to get up out of here. Drake was there. Dwayne <laughs> Brown, like, where the hell am I? How the hell up in the Miami section? Let me get the, let me get the hell out of here. I used to have to move like that in college when random like assistant coaches may pop up at the same spot where we were trying to turn up. You yeah, just try time to, to go. line out the yeah, back time door. Time to go. Got to go somewhere else. But I never thought about that. Like when you that, when you're on the road and you win, you are a group. And then on your way back to where you're going, you make make a stop somewhere. Mm-hmm. So when you win, you just stay there. <laughs> you stay in your city. When you're on the road, it's like you might stop in Vegas on your way back home. Or you, you might stop Miami on your way back I to the like, It's like you'll be with group. Vegas all the time. Yeah, they stop there, then they stop somewhere. It's like, all right, the plane's gonna stop in Vegas on the way back from. It's how it happened to be California, most teams, Golden happen? State, and Los Angeles. That's not, but that's not on the way yeah, back to Toronto. Yeah. 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 Go to Vegas oh, Golden State right here, so it's a quick trip. You know, so it's like, <laughs> you're playing in East or West. When you finish in, in the East, if you win or lose, you'll probably make a stop in Miami okay. you know, uh-huh. on your way back to the West. If you win in the West, you'll probably make a stop in Vegas or somewhere before you head back East. So I just happened to be in Vegas East. that night randomly. I think I went to go see Lionel Richie or some shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the win lobby. I'm like, it's a big ass. Standing by the, uh, <laughs> the guest service that looked just like Kawhi, but they, just, they, they don't make no sense. And then I find out y'all was out there turning up. They stopped at two. I remember actually, I didn't go. They stopped in Vegas and then LA. I didn't go to because you know Drake had his plan. He was like, "Are right, we going to take some of the guys?" I was like, "I'm going. I'm going back to the house." Oh, so you, were, did, you didn't go to Vegas? I, I went to Vegas. I didn't go to LA. Okay. I went back to Toronto. I was like, you know, wifey's waiting. I'm gonna get back home, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cool. They went for like the day and then they flew. Flew back from LA, so they went to Vegas, LA, and then back to. So Toronto. how did you get back to Toronto? Team playing. Drake's okay, playing. Okay, 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 Drake's okay. playing. <laughs> so Drake's Drake's playing. Drake's I'm about to say, yeah. make you play like commercial or that. Yeah. <laughs> so Drake's playing. Yeah, Drake's playing. Stayed. We, we took team playing back. 
So when you look at the Spurs, probably one of the most respected organizations, mm-hmm. obviously that's a lot to do with Pop and just his influence. But what makes that franchise so special? It starts with Timmy. Um, just the fact that he's a, one of the greatest players of all time, not just power forward, but greatest players of all time, and not have an ego. And the fact that he allowed Pop to you know, coach him. And Dave, Dave Robinson before Timmy. Mm-hmm. David, Timmy, and allowing Pop to coach them allowed Pop to coach Tony, you know, Tony, Manu, and guys to just fall in line. And if you can cuss out those guys, you know, you're not, you know what I'm saying? You're not safe. If they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're taking criticism and they're being coachable, you better be coachable as well. Um, it just made it easier for the atmosphere for everybody to just be on the same page and not have the ego. You know, not every, most organizations, you don't see that. There's always a cater to the star player or make sure this guy, and there's a lot of bias, mm-hmm. um, even with outside star players, and that internally chips away at the team's energy. So is that the, is that the big, biggest key to, like, winning, you know, 100%. at a high level is when your star player is treated like everybody else. Like, he has his yeah, ego. He's a humble is, guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a humble That's why Bron, you know, Bron's very, Steph, mm-hmm. he's a humble guy, you know what I'm saying? Steph ain't asking for, you know, better treatment than Draymond and Clay. And he comes in and practice every day. Bron does the same thing. He's mm-hmm. one of the first guys there, one of the last guys to leave, working on his body. And the reason why those guys are successful and they're, they're winning. Mm-hmm. Um, they have winning culture around them. Um, they create it, and it starts with your star, Tim Duncan. So you talk about Pop and just his influence being able to coach Tim and him respond to that. But Pop just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Again, from an outsider's perspective, you know, it's kind of like Bill Belichick, like guys who are kind of surly with the media, but you know, deep down they're yeah. good guys, at least yeah. that's, you know, from what people say about him. So what's your favorite pop memory and what's your least favorite pop memory? <laughs> Man, um, I have a lot of favorites because Pop, ultimately, he's a comedian off the court. Mm-hmm. On the court, though, he's very intense. He'll yeah. cuss, cuss you the hell out. Um, favorite memory, there's so many of them. Was that just him telling his jokes, being on the sideline. Um, you know, him giving his speeches for Timmy when he's, his jersey's retired. Uh, but there, there is, there's one that I, I, I remember. There's a couple. The one for sure that stands out the most is after, because the year that we lost in 2013, he was pretty hard on me. 2014, whole year. And I was one of the guys that, you know, Tony's one of those, I shouldn't, you know, we don't the term whipping boy, like you shouldn't say, but Tony was one of those guys. And then I was one of those guys that he used to get on. Because um, you knew we could handle it. But that whole year, and after we won, we had a moment where he, you know, he actually gave me a little praise. We had a you know, hug it out moment mm-hmm. and celebrating with the, with the bottle and celebration. Um, least favorite pop moment uh, was probably the, so that whole year. It was a rough year, man. Um, I have, have been, you know, he's hard on, he's, I'm gonna make you a player. And, I'm, and I was like, all right, I'm step up to the challenge. But um, you know, there was a lot of times where, you know, Five seconds to the game, timeout. I'm getting cussed out, subbed out. You know, mm-hmm. I probably have historically the quickest timeouts in history of the NBA with Pop of being cussed out. Yeah, you can look it up. Yeah, I've seen one of the clips. And uh, there's a couple of them, and you can read his lips of what he's saying to me. He's like, "Damn." <laughs> so very, yeah, not safe for even this show, Gil. It's like it's just, oh, it's just like, it's just <laughs> like the one with the foul. I think you fouled it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a miscommunication. I thought he was saying foul. They're saying, don't foul. And, you know, obviously, I got cussed out for that. I mean, there's a, there a couple of them, man. And I remember one place that he's like, JJ, they're going to run this play. The Clippers, JJ's going to come off. He better not get this shot. <laughs> Five seconds to the game, JJ pushes me off. DeAndre Jordan sets the screen. He hits a three. A timeout. And I'm getting reamed. And I was like, damn. 
And I tried my best to try to stop the play, but mm. there was no stopping JJ pushing you off mm. and DeAndre Jordan, 6'11", set 300 pounds, setting the screen. Mm. We're going to get around it cleanly. And JJ shooting, going to his right. right. Yeah. It don't even matter. Yeah. He's, he's fading. He's jumping, you know, 25 inches off the ground, 30 inches off the ground. And I, there's no contesting that. He made it. And I was just like, damn it. I know it's coming. Timeout. Timeout. <laughs> Timeout. <laughs>